What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to the Wildlife Command Center podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. My name is Chris Starr with Wildlife Command Center. I am the host of this podcast. If you're new, I am a nuisance wildlife control operator of 11 years and master falconer. And as you can see by the title, that's mostly what we're going to be talking about today. Thanks again for listening. If you could, please hit subscribe and then give us an awesome five-star review on whatever platform you're listening on. That would be great. It really does help out the pod. And I love doing this, so I'm going to keep cranking these puppies out for you guys. Sorry for the delay. It's been a while. I honestly... You want to know the real reason? I uh, got a little bit gridlocked because I'm like, oh, geez, the 50th episode is coming up. Oh, I got to do something special. And then I just kind of like froze. (laughs) And then, you know, life kind of caught up and I'm taking a more active role in my church. And so stuff is popping up more and more purposefully. You know, I'm purposefully putting it in there, but as well as work picking back up. Thank the Lord, because it's summer. The bats are back. Yes! Love those bats. Money, money, money. (laughs) Love dealing with them. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. Today, we're here to talk about my 2021-2022 falconry season, as well as my kind of in-the-air plans for the 2022-2023 falconry season coming up. So first, the recap of this season. I am still flying a little bit, though it's starting to warm up as well as work starting to pick up, those kind of coalescing. It leads me to want to start to slow down and quit the season before the Merlin gets a little too hormonal and decides to migrate. Don't want none of that. We're already starting to get those uh, crazy winds, you know, that suck the birds high, high up into the sky, and then they just say bye. So I definitely don't want that. Damnatious Daniel is my man. Love that dude. So kind of a recap of this season. We'll kind of start with that. I was able to start way earlier than last year because I intermute him. So I had him over the summer. I didn't have to start brand new with a brand new bird, which is what happened with him. I trapped him I think on one of the very last days of November, November 30th, if I'm not mistaken, or like 28th. So then I trapped Daniel on one of those days. And then it took me about two and a half months to get him going. A really long time and above average length of time. It's longer than you should take with a Merlin because you really want to get them back out on the wing as quickly as you can to keep their fitness up, so to speak. And it just does them better to not sit put. But I was overly careful, basically, in his training because he's so small. First off, he is a, he's a Merlin. He's a Jack Merlin, which means he's smaller. He's the smaller of the two sexes. And he is an extraordinarily small Merlin. So he's, he's tiny. He's a small, small bird. <laughs> he's a tiny representative of the species. So... What I didn't realize until way later is that I was taking it too slow in bringing his weight down slowly, 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 like way too slow. The time that it took me a month in that certain area of his training, it should have taken me like a week and a half to two weeks to bring his weight down to what it needed to be. And I was just, uh, part of it is I was 
feeding him too big of sparrows. I should have been feeding him smaller sparrows, basically. Anyway, yeah, or not smaller sparrows, like less of the sparrows. So, because you feed house sparrows, English sparrows, you know, invasive species to North America. So you can trap as many of them as you want and feed as many as you want. I was giving him the whole thing, which was like way too much, way too much. Those suckers are like 30 grams, which is a lot to a Merlin who's uh, to a small Jack Merlin who's not doing any kind of exercise at the time. So anyway, all that being said, it took till like February to get him going. Too long. But still, in the time from when I got him flying to when we quit, we caught over 220 birds. Bananas, right? Now that's me flying twice a day, every day, without fail, until I hung it up in like mid-April. Yeah, you know, there were days where we only caught once each time out, but most days we were doubling, catching two items, both times out. So on average, I was catching four birds a day. So you do the math. Bananas, I think our best day was eight. It wasn't four each time. That's what's crazy. It was two and then six. (laughs) It was crazy. That was a great day. Anyway, I've got a picture of that, man. It is. It's awesome. So... With that being said, I intermewed him, meaning I kept him over the summer, fed him over the summer, got him nice, fat, and happy, and he chilled with me here in the house. Got a nice, cool, nice, cool living space versus the, uh, you know, extremely hot outdoors. And then I was able to pull him out way earlier than I was able to start last year. And he was not, he didn't even start molting. I think it was freaking July. So I was like tripping. I'm like, why hasn't he dropped any feathers? Apparently I wasn't feeding him enough. He was keeping weight, but he wasn't like fat, which is what he needed to be. He needed to be fat. He was like doing all right, but he wasn't fat. And to get them to molt and molt heavily, you got to get them fat. And so then what I did out of the blue, I was just like, let me just double his intake. And then basically what happens is when they start leaving food out, that's how you know, okay, they're, they're full, full, like full, full. So once I started doing that, uh, like <laughs> within three days, he started dropping feathers. Rookie mistake. I'm an idiot. <laughs> Master Falconer in license only. Still have a lot to learn. So he had a piss poor molt to say the least. He had almost no of the cool blue feathers that they get their second year, which I'm sure you've seen, you know, go to my Instagram, Lone Star, with two R's, S-T-A-R-R, Trapper, and you can check out pictures of him. Scroll back. At uh, the beginning of the season, I changed his name to Double Brown Dame Nash's Daniel because he's uh, brown for two years in a row. But as the season, this last season wore on, he eventually started molting more and more of those contour feathers and like feathers on his body, uh, mostly the back. Uh, his wings. So he got, you know, some of his cool blue feathers in. They totally change their from their first year to their second year of life in coloration. It's pretty awesome. They get these sick blue wing and head feathers. And he didn't even drop a single tail feather. Yeah. It's a bummer because it's so it plays such a an important role in their flight style and their abilities that it was a bummer. The end of his tail, like the tips are a little raggedy. I tend to keep those out of the photos that I post. Oof. Yeah, not the best. But I intermute him on a table 
meaning like he was perched, he was tethered. And so this year I'm going to intermew him in a muse, which is like a flight chamber outside. So he'll have space to fly around and you know go from here to there and hang out and fly up and down and all over the place. Not like a parrot cage, no, like a big flight area. And I'll basically leave him alone except to feed him and change his water. And so for all intent and purpose, he goes back to being wild, fat, wild, and happy. And so he should this year, God willing, molt out all of his old feathers. Please, please, please. So to kind of recap this season now, because I sacrificed a lot of my time to fly twice a day every day last year, I mean, you know, my balance was flying the absolute crap out of my Merlin. I had awesome world-class Merlin falconry. Cut over 220 birds, ripping awesome stoops, usually doubling every single time we went out, high-flying, uh, waiting on, super fine style, like classical falconry flights where he's right above me and he stoops right in front of me. It was bitching, to put it as uh, the Merlin guys out here call it. It was bitching. But everything else suffered. Not everything, but didn't make as much money. Now, it, that is like the lower of the money-making season in nuisance wildlife control. So it kind of does help. But now that I'm becoming more active in my church, I reined that in this season and just flew once a day. Now, once a day, every day. Still, still a lot of time but I literally halved how much that I was doing every day. So what I saw was a dramatic decrease in performance, not from him or like how hard he tried in the total head of game that we took. We probably took a third of what we took last year. You know, I did count initially like last year that was that's what my priorities were. My priority was, I want that head of game. You know, people told me I couldn't do it in this way. And I had a chip on my shoulder. I still got, I got a whole bag. You know what I mean? Slowly sorting through that whole bag of chips, but it's, <laughs> it's decreased a lot. And so when someone tells you you can't do it, you tend to uh, say, well, now I'm gonna out of spite. And I was. And one of the things I realized is that when he wasn't performing except at the utmost of his ability, I would get frustrated. And I would have a bad taste in my mouth, even though it was awesome. You were still catching game. That's not the point. The point isn't to squeeze every last drop of performance out of your bird. The point is to have a good time. The point is to have fun. The point is to enjoy it. And I did, but I wasn't enjoying it as much as I should. And I didn't realize that till this year. And so I think, it, I think it goes hand in hand. When you fly twice a day, you're able to with a micro because, well, as with a falcon, you could fly other falcons twice a day, probably, depending on how many, basically, how high is their metabolism? How many actual wing beats are they doing? You know, is it a ton? You know, a duck hawk definitely could fly twice a day once they're going. You know, once they're going steady and they're in shape, you know, you fly them in the morning, you don't blow out crop them. Once they kind of, once they know the game, once they know I go up, I come down, I mean, 
a duck hawk. That's like no flying, if we're being honest. The to- the amount of actual wing beats, because most duck hawking is like they go up and down once. For their one stoop, I usually get twenty to forty stoops in one day, and it's sick. That's why I uh, chose to do this type of falconry. Man, I'm looking at a pair of squirrels right now. And something that I'm genuinely considering, and I'll talk about this in the second half, is uh, flying a squirrel hawk. I miss hunting squirrels a lot. And although my dogs do great on birds, they're not bird dogs. They're squirrel dogs. You know, if there's one thing they're best at. Now, they've been trained over the last few years to hunt birds in the way that I do. And they're pretty good at it, but they will never be as good as a designated bird dog would be because they have so much more vastly of a better nose, you know, such a vastly better nose than my terriers. But they do the trick. They do help me get up more birds than than I would be able to get up myself. So anyway, we'll talk about squirrel hawking later. So I noticed a dramatic decrease in efficiency moving from flying twice a day to once a day. I think when you fly twice a day, you get two or three times as many opportunities. Your bird gets twice or three X as good at hunting, quote unquote. You know, there's a lot that goes into that. That's a loaded statement, passage falcon, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then it does hunting once a day. It gets twice as many opportunities or three times as many opportunities, you know, if the morning session went long or short, then you compensate in the afternoon session. Like, I'm going to fly a lot this afternoon because this morning we were only able to fly this much, you know, and tonight I'll go out for like two hours. And so you get a lot of opportunities. So I would venture to say, at least from what I've seen, he's probably three times as better this first season than he was his second. That's bananas. I'm flying the same fields, the same quarry, same times of day, at least in the evening that I fly. And we are literally catching a third as much. You would think it would be half as much, but it's not. I think if you don't use it, you lose it is the real thing, you know? And so in the beginning, you know, I was with, of this season, I was struggling with that. He's not performing. He's not performing. And my Maryland mentor was like, it's not about performance. You know, it's about having fun. And so I'm having to tell myself, dude, you're still out flying your bird. You have an amazing bird. You're out hunting with your dogs. Look up at your bird. Look, look at that. How cool is that? You saw this years ago, this type of falconry, and you set out and you said, I'm going to do that one day. And now you're doing it. You know, I have a really bad case of the grass is always greener syndrome. Really, really bad. I, <laughs> your grass is green where you water it. And so over the course of this season, I'm really coming to grips with that. I'm watering the grass. Every time I go out and he doesn't do what I want him to do, it's like, hey, Chris, relax. Look at the area again. You're in a beautiful, you have beautiful scenery to look at. You're hanging out with your dogs. You've got a killer bird. Who's not flying away <laughs> nearly as much as he did last season? He is most certainly bonded to me this year. Instead of flying away when he's bored, he flies over to me and be like to look for the next step. Like, hey, uh, are you gonna feed me or are we gonna like go hunt over there or something? Or like, what are we doing? He comes over to me 
And that's pretty damn cool. That bird was wild at one point, completely wild. Didn't rely on nobody. He don't need no man. He's an independent, strong, young Merlin, and he didn't need no man or woe man to get his food. And he was feeding himself just fine. But now he's like, what's up, dude? He's my buddy. He's my little buddy. And we still kicked a lot of ass this year. And we still are. I'm probably going to go for maybe another week. It's hot right now, but in like two days, it's going to get cooler again. And so we're going to have what looks to be a full week of, of cool weather again. And it's always better to fly when it's cooler. You know, the birds perform better. He's like hungrier, so to speak. And I'm not sweating like the dickens out there while I'm running around hooting and hollering and trying to flush up birds. So makes it more enjoyable. So I, I will probably fly for one more week before I hang it up for the year. And, and work's getting busy. Turkey season opens up this weekend. Like I said, the bats are back. I want to start getting back into the gym. This is kind of like my gym time, basically. I like to fly and work out at the end of the day. Now, Chris, you could totally just lift in the morning. Yeah, I could, but then you're lifting on an empty stomach, which means there's no glucose in your bloodstream and you get stronger lifts when you have that. And that's what I like. I like performance, obviously. We've already talked about that. And so, you know, I like to lift anywhere from like 4 to 6 p.m. So that's usually uh, my flying time. So, you know, I had a great season. Probably have caught under 100 birds or maybe probably right around 100 here coming up soon. And I'm okay with that. You know, I'm not a numbers jockey anymore, which is great because I used to be, but it was all consuming. That was my life. And unfortunately, you know, there's, we romanticize that life. We romanticize the outliers and the obsessed and the people at the absolute tip of the spear, the pinnacle, the peak. And I get it. I was that person. But man, everything else suffered. And I really do ride that fine line of just wanting to throw myself into those obsessions and be the absolute best there is. Gosh, it's such a contradiction in my mind. It's something that I've had to come to terms with over the last 10 years of various <laughs> obsessions and addictions, basically, you know, they were interests that turned into obsessions that turned into addictions. Oh boy, it was like, you know, snakes, working out, falconry, and elk hunting. And I'm really just now coming to grips and learning how to rein myself in and be like, hey, you can be good at something. You can be pretty damn good at something, but not to the detriment of everything else in your life. Everything else in your life doesn't have to take a back seat to that, you know? I'm still working on that. Oh my goodness. So I've had a great year of falconry this year. And I can't wait for basically the summer workout season. I'm going to get absolutely so jacked and shredded. <laughs> I can't wait. It's basically elk prep, you know, getting prepped and making absolute crap tons of money basically. <laughs> so, all that said, the 2022 and 2023 falconry season. <laughs> Rubs hands together like Birdman. There's a few options available. 
Now, of course, option number one, and probably what will happen, it has the highest chance of happening. Fly Damnatious Daniel for a third year. It was awesome. Why reinvent the wheel? You know, it's only going to be more awesome. He's going to molt out those feathers. And so (laughs) those aren't going to be a hindrance. You know what I mean? This will be the third year going into the areas that you've flown the two previous years. You know, the quarry that you've flown the two previous years, you know them inside and out now. He knows you inside and out now. And like, I feel like by the third year, we'll really be able to put the polish, you know, the nails to the drying board. No, that's not a saying. Well, just came up with it. The nails to the drying board. But maybe there's something there that I'm just not thinking of. I'm going to really put the polish on that doorknob. That's a good one. (laughs) I'm really going to polish the doorknob of being able to sharpen this falconry to a fine, beautiful point and kick even more ass, you know, in year number three. Probably a 70% chance that that's going to happen. Now, option number two. Oh, something that is not on the table, by the way, is flying two birds. Won't do it. I've done it before. Just like flying one bird twice a day, your life is consumed by your falconry. And it's a real bummer. You know what I mean? I'm not going to do it. I have too many things. Like I run this podcast. I run a branch, a location of Wildlife Command Center. I want this podcast to grow into more than what it is now. I'm going to start putting it on YouTube and doing like video podcasts. And that's how I think I'm going to grow to a much larger audience. I'm going to have way more guests on. And hey, so also hit me up on Instagram at Lone Star with two R's, Trapper, L-O-N-E-S-T-A-R-R-T-R-A-P-P-E-R on Insta for people who you think would be cool that I could actually access, you know, nobody with like 100,000 Instagram followers. I mean, unless you think I could really legitimately get access to them, even just for a 30-minute conversation, that would be sweet, as well as who you would want to hear me have a conversation with. I'm pretty decent at guiding a conversation. and You guys know that if you've listened to me interview, not really interview, (laughs) chit-chat with a couple of the people that I've had on the podcast so far. Hit me up on Instagram and uh, give me some suggestions at who you want to see over the next several months. So, not going to fly two birds. I don't know what I'm going to do with Daniel if I choose one of these other options because there's two more options on the table. And there is no like what I want to do more with these two. Option number one, if you guys have known me for a while, you've known that I've flown Harris Hawks in the past on squirrels, jackrabbits, and many other things. Well, my female, Satsuki, is back in St. Louis now with my former male, Giorgio, George. Giorgio Armani. George, and they're paired up. If you guys remember a couple years ago, I had them both in a chamber and they bred and they produced some kick-ass babies. And I loved breeding. I can't do that where I'm at out here. I'm in a kind of a temporary residence. It's a bit smaller because I don't have the kind of room that I would need to put in a big uh, hawk breeding chamber. (laughs) As you guys can imagine, not a small amount of area that you would need for those guys. They're paired up 
in St. Louis now at our main company location. So they are going to get together, get jiggy with it, and produce a few more babies. Now, there are invasive fox squirrels out here. And with them being invasive, that means they have no regulated hunting season. Oh, see where I'm going with this? I could get back into hunting squirrels. And that's something that I've wanted to do before Goten gets too old. Because man, when we were in our heyday, or his, I'm still in it, damn it. <laughs> when we were in his heyday, we slaughtered squirrels by the hundreds over years in St. Louis, Missouri. So I want to do that before he gets too old, you know, loses his eyesight or his hearing. Just, uh, you know, kind of relive the glory days for maybe one more season. I would, uh, I would probably fly a male, even though people think, you know, ah, fox squirrels, they're huge. Not out here. They're smaller than they are in the Midwest. You know, they're not the gigantic thousand gram monsters that they are in the Midwest. They're a lot smaller out here. And as a matter of fact, probably half that size, about 500 grams, which is not bad. As well as Sasuke is a giant She's flown anywhere from 1,100 to, when it was cold, 1,200 grams. Not kidding. And George is above average as well. He's about a 700-grammer, 700-gram male Harris hawk. So together, their powers combined, they would make some pretty decent-sized males. And I would need a faster wing beat because I'm not hunting huge old-growth forests out here. So I would need the maneuverability of a male. So that is most definitely on the option. And let's be honest. There is no more versatile hunting bird in the world. At me. Do it. At me. There is no more versatile hunting bird in the world than a male harrisock. People say, oh, but a male goshawk. Can't fly male goshawk in downtown LA on pigeons, can ya? Nope. But you can do it with a male harrisock. <laughs> Checkmate. Frickin' short wingers. Get out of here. Come in my mentions. Come in my at. DM me. Do it. And so that said, I could take that male Harris Hawk and do anything with him I wanted, travel the country, you know, for the Nathamese or for all my trips up to Idaho, hunting with my friends, you know, they, they can go anywhere and do anything. As well as it's pretty dang warm out here on the West Coast, you know what I mean? And so that's why a male Harris over, you know, why don't you fly a red tail? Because they're a desert bird and they would do well in the heat of where I'm at. And so I could fly longer. I could fly earlier in the year, you know, after the September elk season. And then later into the spring, because there's no season. There's no squirrel season on these invasive suckers. So I could just fly my absolute butt off, right? Until it's too thick and too hot that I'm just not having a good time. Coming home sweating. Welcome. You guys ever watch Toss No? Welcome in the morning, covered in sweat. <laughs> so that is an option. Male Harris Hawk, mostly on squirrels. We have jacks, cottontails, everything else. You know, fly them on ducks. <laughs> Ditch ducks when the season allows. Option number two, a female Merlin. I know, I know, I know. They're not as cool as jacks. I get it. And that's what it is. It's the flash. It's the pizzazz. Ba -ba -ba. Females are faster. And so they have less willingness to wait on. Now... I believe that I can teach any female Merlin to wait on because I have that kind of skill and belief in myself and commitment to waiting to hunt 
to get my female's flight style shaped so that she will hunt waiting on just like the jacks can. So that is an option. Same quarry as well as larger quarry. You know, we've got a decent snipe season out here. And I just locked down an area that I was beaver trapping. That's like a duck hunting club. And on the outskirts of this like uh, gentrified swamp, so to speak, it's kind of like it's a well-sculpted swamp. You look at it, it's like, oh, it's just a big sprawling swamp area. Well, everything is actually manicured for duck hunting, right? And it is loaded. La-o-did with snipe. And now the snipe, you know, I can't fly snipe till March, obviously. But every time I've been there, I've just seen dozens of these things. And so I think that would be really freaking cool. You know, the guys back east who fly snipe in like Oklahoma and Arkansas and stuff like that with uh, Perlins, Peregrine Merlins, and uh, Tearsel Peregrines and stuff like that. And even some people do with Merlins, female Merlins. They have a really good time with it. And there's a small dove season, which I could totally jump into, but as well as quail and a few other things, I would love to try my hand at snipe. That would be super cool. I'd do it in the same flight style as my male. And females at their top end are, are even faster than the males are. So what I would do is just do my best to try and get the biggest freaking monster, gigantic, most, you know, half jeer <laughs> female Merlin that I could find, you know, a solid 230 grammar flies at that weight. You know, most, most, oddly enough, most female Merlins fly in like the 180 gram range, which is pretty bananas that <laughs> most of them, you, you know, you'll trap them at 250, 250 grams, 230, 200 grams. Most of them from my friends, I've only flown one and multiple of my friends have flown multiple female Merlins. Most of them come all the way down to the 180s. Kind of funny, right? I want one. I just want it. Merlinzilla. Just a freaking half jeer falcon. Merlin. But then people are like, why not just fly a half jeer, half Merlin? Not into it. I want a, I want a wild bird. You can't teach a chamber-raised bird, a bird born in captivity, what a wild bird has learned. They've learned through days and nights, cold, hungry nights where they didn't catch and they got to sit out in the cold and they're, oh my gosh, it's so cold. And the next day, they have to catch their next meal or they're going to starve. They've gotten away from predators, from bigger falcons, from hawks, from cats on the ground trying to steal their food and narrowly avoiding a cooper's hawk came in and they had to give up their starling that they just expended all that energy to catch to this freaking Coopers just so they don't get eaten. And they got to go catch another bird so they don't starve to death. The thousands of miles that they've flown from breeding up in Canada all the way down here to where I'm at, you can't teach a captive bred bird what a wild bird knows. So that's why I'm going to take a, a good long break from captive bred birds as well as a uh, Nothing performs better than a passage falcon in the wind. Woo-wee! Man, it is just great. So, option number two. J -j -j gigantic female Merlin. Those are my options, folks. Hit me up in the DMs at L-O-N-E-S-T-A-R-R. -R, the word trapper. T-R-A-P-P-E-R -P -P -E on Instagram. And uh, let me know what you think. 
Really appreciate you guys listening. This was a fun episode. I love talking about falconry. You know, it's my biggest uh, obsession in my life and it has been as long as I can remember and probably will be as long as I have, uh, am alive. So, alrighty, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Wildlife Command Center podcast. This is your host, Chris Starr. If you haven't hit subscribe, smash that sucker. Please. And thank you. Give us an awesome five-star review. I really appreciate it. And if you can, share it with a friend. You know what I mean? I would love and will love to do this full-time, but it's going to take a lot of work from my end and sharing of the pod from your guys' end. (laughs) Really appreciate it, guys. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Wildlife Command Center podcast. God bless. Have a good one. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this podcast. This is Michael Baran, a.k.a. Bare Hands Baran. Make sure you go now to Discovery Plus, download our reality TV show, Bare Hands Rescue, where we are out there every day rescuing people from wild animals. It is entertaining, it is engaging, and it is informative. Download it today and listen for our next podcast.